How might hopeful school leaders become the leader they want to be? Today, I talked to elementary school principal, Diane Brown, about leadership in times of crisis. I'm your host, Celeste Kirsch, and we are teaching tomorrow. If you've been listening to the show for some time, you will recognize Diane from episode 31, Should I Send My Child to JK? Diane is my neighbor, but at this point, she's much more than that. She's a friend, a role model, a celebrity figure in my four-year-old's life, one of my dog's favorite humans, and a mentor to me. In this show, we actually talk quite a bit about mentorship and how important it is to be a mentor for others. And inspired by Brene Brown, we talk about what needs to change about leadership to address the shifting educational landscape, as well as different ways to hold power. Diane is a gift in my life, and so I'm glad to share this conversation with you. It is such a delight to get to talk to you where we're not bundled up and wearing a million layers and shoveling our driveways. So welcome. Thank you. Uh, I like starting just by having people introduce themselves. So do you want to start just by saying who you are, where you live, and what you do? So I live in Toronto. My name is Diane. I live in Toronto, and I'm a principal with the public school board. I'm currently working at a kindergarten to grade eight dual track, which is French immersion and English. Um, used to be in a city school, but sort of uh, the neighborhood is becoming gentrified. So it's quite an interesting mix of uh, uh, kids who go there. And I've been with the board for um, quite some time. <laughs> now maybe 20 years or something like that or more. Um, and I've, mo- I've mostly worked in um, inner city type schools. So I worked in the Northwest, then I moved to the East, and now I'm downtown. Um, I want to say not mostly, all inner city type schools, which have their own peculiar kinds of characteristics and challenges, but they're still kind of really vibrant places. So we're starting this after we've gone back to school for five days in person. There's been a little bit of a break in Ontario in terms of being in person, and now we're back. How are you? I think this is obviously, if I were to ask this any other time, it would seem like such a simple question, but how are you? I'm, it's a, it's a, it is a strange time. And so some days I'm exhausted not from doing physical things, but from doing a lot of brain things. So it is, it's very exhausting and it is also very strange because we have so many different interactions with all kinds of people that go on all the time. So the regular job of a principal is, you know, an administrator, you administrate over the finances, over your vice principal, if you have one, over your teachers, you manage relationships with parents, you know, with, uh, with caregivers on a whole, with staff, with union people, with your supervisor, with, you know, people who bring the board expectations. So you're managing all of those relationships all the time, but now 
in addition to that, you have those outside agencies that you now have to interact with. So there's public health that has, you know, their bit um, and their expectations. And then there's the province that has their expectations. So now if with one event, I, ha I have to send all of this information to all of these different people. And um, this is on top of my job. <laughs> So it, it, many days it's, you know, just how do I keep track of all of this stuff? I think it, I mean, this is why I wanted to have you on the show. So there's a bit of a mini series that we're doing this year on leadership in times of crisis. So let's get into that. Like when we look back on this time, 10 years into the future, how do you think you're going to define this moment in education? I think it's a time when people are not connected to what makes other people, people are not connected to what makes other people feel okay. Because everybody is in their own little bubble and just having to run on that hamster wheel. So it's, it's really a, a disconnected, strange kind of thing. Um, and that's what's the most striking for me. Yeah, the disconnection is a really powerful word for I think what we're all feeling. I mean, we're, we're connected, we're all doing the same kind of things. It feels similar and yet it feels so draining. Like it, it is a very, we need other humans and this, for so many people who got into education, they did it because of the human connection. And that's what's been, so drastically scaled back. Yeah, it, it, it definitely, the, I had a meeting with four staff members today and we were all in different rooms. So we were in this big school because it is quite a big school and we're just all in different rooms. And then at the end of the meeting, I said, you know, let's, let's just go home and everything, we're done. And then one of them walks down, you know, to the office and kind of waves, says hi, you know. Um, I mean, to, it is so odd. I My last school, you know, was an elementary school and I used to live for just the kids coming and just hugging me around my waist, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, you know, and people, you know, embracing each other and just saying, you know, nice to see you and so on and that's gone. So let's leave this present moment behind and let's jump in our time machine. And I want to hear more about your journey. Like I know you, I know you as my friend and as my neighbor, and I want to almost just like, I don't know if this is okay, but put you in like an even more special category, because I feel like the way I see you in my life is more than just a friend and a neighbor. Like you're like an auntie to us. You take care of us, you support us, but I don't know a lot about your journey. So you're this person that I know, but I want to hear your whole story about how you got into education. So take me back to who you were in school, how you figured out I'm going to be in education and how did you arrive being a principal? Okay. So first off, I'm, I'm a transplant, I'm an immigrant. And my, my school life, like as a student, I just, I love the arts. Um, I'm not an artsy person, but I love literature and I love reading. And in my family, reading was a real thing. So although my father left school at, in, in what they call standard three, standard three would have been grade four 
because his dad had died and you know he had to go help his family so he left school in in grade four wow and my mother was not my mother was you know she she went to high school and did all of that stuff but for him education was so important and it was all about have to get an education and so our our weekends where i mean in, in our little town you got the daily news you got a weekly newspaper so on a saturday we would all sit and he'd be reading like he wasn't unread he he read a lot he couldn't always pronounce the words uh, like you know <sighs> pronounce the names of countries it was funny it was funny funny really funny but he read a lot and he listened to the radio and he knew a lot so for, for us it was just we just grew up in this in this um place of words lots mm -hmm. of words i also had many people in my family who were teachers because in my home country you didn't have to necessarily go to you were what was called a pupil teacher so you would understudy a teacher and then you'd become a teacher so many of my relatives were in education and almost everybody was in some service kind of job so that's all i knew mm -hmm. um, so I, I began teaching quite young and then i moved here to go to school to go to university and uh, you know i ended up back here <laughs> and, and and when i came back i thought I never want to go into teaching here because I think it would be too much for me. I like discipline. I like this and that and that. And then one day I was, um, I don't know, I, I, I think I had just finished university and, and I thought, well, you know, I might as well give it a try. And so I went to this school and I supplied there for two days. And then a principal from another school called me and said, this principal told me about you and I really need somebody at my school. Oh. <laughs> it's all right. It's not far from my house. And so I went to that other school and I stayed and um, the teacher had just left. The teacher couldn't deal with it anymore, <laughs> but I stayed. It was a great, it was a, a middle school. So seven and eight. And I just fell in love with that group, with that demographic. I just, you know, with all of the things they come with, I just, this is my preferred group. Oh, I feel I love, you. I love that group. So I stayed and then, you know, I thought, well, you know, I could do this. And so I stayed and stayed and stayed. And then, um, uh, you know, I watched this principal who was really, he could be harsh and, you know, he could be, but he was, he loved the kids. Mm. And he didn't always love the teachers, but he loved the kids, you know, like he had high expectations for the teachers and sometimes they wouldn't meet it. But for him with kids every day, was a new day and it didn't matter if the kids had messed up the day before the next day he'd be greeting them as if nothing has happened mm. and i just thought i could do this you know i could do this this is all right so i um you know i talked about it i talked about wanting to do it and um then the the, the you know i went through the process but i can tell you that i never had support mm. in terms of saying uh, pushing me forward no i always had every step every step aside from that first time when this woman principal said i need somebody like you can you come help me <sighs> aside from that it was always me um saying what about me my turn my turn 
every step of the way. Yeah. I was wondering if there was any mentorship, like somebody who nope. saw you and thought like, yeah, I can, I'll, I'll pull you up and I'll support you with that. So, so yeah. that's so interesting. So you had so many educational role models growing up in your young version of your life. You saw, like for me, that would be so clear that you could see yourself as a teacher. How did you see yourself as a principal? If no one's saying to you, Diane, I see you as a leader. How did you have that inner strength to say, I see myself as that? Because for women, for Black women, like you need to have somebody saying like, you can do this. So two things happened. One was I just thought, I want, and I know I can create a school culture where kids feel, even if they don't always feel happy, but they feel there is something to come to school for. And I just thought, I know I can, I know I can make a school like that. Mm. So that was all, that was my thing. Like, I know I can make a school like that. So I'm going to try it. That was one thing. And the other thing is, I had this principal let off at some teachers when, you know, like actually swear at them. This was back when we would swear at teachers. And I thought if that guy with that temper can, can be a school <laughs> then I'm going to be one. Honestly, oh my God, yes. I can do this. And and so I just thought, you know, um, yeah, I'm going to go for it. So, but I, but I didn't have a mentor. I've been a, an administrator for, uh, this is my ninth year. And, you know, when I first started, I was teamed up with a, what they call a mentor. In nine years, I've spoken to that woman one time. Like an official mentor that like is yes. assigned to you, yes. like that kind of institutional yeah. mentor. Yeah. Yeah. I had to make my own networks. And then even then, so the board has a process where, you know, you stay, you have to, you, you get onto the, the pool for, for promotion. You have two years to find us for you to be put in a spot. Otherwise, you, and then you have to start all over again if you don't get that, if you don't mm. get this. Mm -hmm. um, and then I realized that my two years we're going to be up mm. in May. And this was like April. And so I went to the superintendent that I had at the time. And I knew, and he knew me because we had done some like work, you know, you go to a conference and this and that. And I said, hey, just so you know, I'm getting set to fall off the list. When's my shot? Like I had to do that. And it was not a meeting, it was a social event. But I just went to him and I said, when is my shot? Yeah. And so he said, oh, oh, I forgot, I forgot, you know, you know, I'll do something. He was true to his word and he did it. So that wow. was how I got to be a vice principal. And then as a vice principal, I had, I had a different principal. The other one had retired and this one was really horrible. And I learned from him too. I learned what you don't do. Mm. people. I learned how to be reflective about my practice. And even if I, I, even if I mess up or, or I say something out of turn, then I know to go back and try my best to repair that relationship or to let this person see I was angry because I believe in something. Mm. And I believe that this is the right thing to do because children are my life. And children are at the center of what I do. Mm. So I learned from that man how not to be. Um, but I was still a vice principal. So I would never get, because I was just in one school, I, I, you don't get promotion from one school. You have to show that you have varied experiences. Mm -hmm. And so when 
one superintendent had left, another one came and this was a woman, I got to talk to her and I said, you know, there, there's some things that, that can happen in this school to make it a better school. We worked together and she helped the school out, but then she left. And again, I had to call her after I had been three years at that school, I called her and I said, I want to come work for you because I think I'm, I'm, you know, I've gone as far as I can go here. I want a different experience. I want to come work for you. And she said, well, I'll see what I can do. She, then I went to work for her still in her family of schools, still as a vice principal. And then to take the next step, I was, you know, I happened to meet a trustee who was a person of color. And I said, I have things that I want to do. Here are some things that I want to do. And here are some things that I, I see I can do at this school where I am. And then when he needed a principal, he came and said, I want this person. And he got such a fight. It was such a fight. Because the other there was a superintendent who wanted a white man placed in a school where for ages, the parents had been asking for a principal of color ages it was documented and so he really pushed back and that's how I got that spot but at every step every step I had to say I'm not just going to stay back and you know languish in this place because I I have to speak so at every point I had to speak for myself and there's so many lessons that are so important for everyone listening to this like who want to move into more leadership positions that you can't wait for the mentors to come and find you. You have to mentor yourself through that. Like you saw your own potential. You saw something inside of yourself and you knew that you had to advocate for yourself. You had to step in and say what you needed. I think that's so, it's so important to hear that. And honestly, it's so refreshing to hear women do that because I think that there's plenty of other leaders who will do that for themselves, but I'm really, I'm really glad you did that. Yeah, it's it was it was quite a journey. I remember, you know, going through what they call the principal's qualifications course and having a conversation with this white man and he he was saying, uh, you know, trying to minimize my experience here as an immigrant. And I just said, you know what? I need you to not talk to me until you are a black woman in Canada. When mm -hmm. you become that, you can come talk to me. But until then don't, because you can either just roll over or you can say, I have things that I need to do and say. Those layers cannot define me mm -hmm. at all. And then, you know, I like my job. I really like it with everything that, you know, it comes with. I like it. And I get a lot of satisfaction from it. I love, you know, just interacting with families. And not every day is a happy day. Not every family is a happy family. People come with a lot of problems, but mm -hmm. um, I know I say problems, not problems for me, but personal problems that I have to acknowledge and, and switch my mind to say, this person didn't come to spoil my day. Their day is bad. You know, their child has a mental issue. They have a mental issue. Uh, you know, they're, they're socioeconomically, they just, it's just not there for them. They're frustrated, they're sad, they're scared, they're whatever. I'm... I, I need to do whatever I can do, you know? So it's a good job and I'm not sad or, you know, I'm happy that I did what I did to get where I am. 
I'm happy you did it too. I, I'm so happy that the school that the school system has a principal like you. Like you're obviously I haven't worked with you in the same school, but I can tell that you care so much about the schools that you're in and your communities that you serve. You talk about your students like they're your own children when I see you in the driveway. Like that love, that care just permeates even when you're not in the same building. So I'm glad you did what you did for yourself. I, I wonder though, if you didn't have a mentor, are you as a leader more conscientious about mentoring other potential leaders? Yeah. All the time. So I do, and I do very deliberately and intentionally. Tell me what that looks like for you. So I've had, the other day I was talking to a young woman who just got into administration, like in January. And I just got this feeling, I'm like, oh, my baby. <laughs> She's 40. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, I knew her when she was a student teacher, when she was doing her practicum. And so we've always been, she called, you know, I call her my little sister. Um, she called me and she said, I messed up. Do you think I'll get a bad, a bad, um, like a bad evaluation from my principal? I'm like, go stop. Yeah, you'll be fine. This, this learning in process, you know, just keep going. You know, you just get your note. I said, you get a notebook and you write mm -hmm. what you did. And so you don't do it again. You know, you, you know, the things that you have to remember. And um, I love doing that. I, I, for me, it's tremendous joy to not to open, leave the door open behind me yes yes so i just um like i've had i had one one uh, this is the second no one of the teachers who was at the school where i just taught where i came from she's now been a vice principal for two years and i know that we you know we sort of worked together and did things and to to get her in the places where she should be so one of the things was the school that I'm at, that I was at, is a K to six. But as from a K to six, you hardly ever get the chance to go into administration because you haven't done middle school. So so far, I've helped two people to sort of find a good supportive principal who would take them in a seven eight, so that they get the, the six, the K to six, and then they get seven eight, and then they have that breadth of, of experience. So it's you know it's something I like doing. I see somebody has any kind of potential. Not everybody has to go into administration. Sometimes teachers just want to be teacher leaders. They want to get a central position. They want to be able to do some things. They want to enrich an aspect of their life. I, I love doing that. Sometimes mm. I don't do much, but you know I figure you just can't close the door behind you. I love, I wish people could see your face because the second I asked you about mentorship, like your entire face just lit up, like with just such passion. Like I can totally tell that this is something you so care about. Because okay. <sighs> I think that women have so much potential and, and sometimes they're just too quiet, you know, in terms of not exploring everything, just pick a thing that you want to be and be that thing. You know, and it doesn't have to be the conventional thing, but it just be the thing you want to be. Be Nobody's the thing you want to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't wait for somebody to tell you to do that thing. Just go and do it. Just go be yeah. you. So just to think more about leadership and even just the state of education today. 
What, if anything, needs to change about the way people are leading in schools to address the rapidly changing landscape in front of us due to the pandemic? I think, first off, leaders need to be more reflective about who they are, their positions, and their own intersectionality as it contrasts or complements other people's intersectionality. Like, you just can't you know, say, oh, these names are too difficult to pronounce kind of thing, because those words come from a place inside of you where you're not willing to let other people be, to let, to, to see beyond just the, the superficial in other people. So leaders need to be more reflective about themselves. Leaders need to be more open to understand that this is not the same world. It's not the same world. You have so many different people. You know, in my school in Scarborough, there were 15 Asian countries, just Asian, it wasn't a big school. It was a school of 600. Mm. 15 Asian countries represented and the school wasn't all Asian. So all kinds of people come into our, come into the space. I think leaders also need to see that this is, while it's important to you, it's not, everything is not personal because when you do that, you shut other people's voices off and we're all human. So in the moment you can say, ah, I just, you know, I need this person away from me. But, but being reflective allows you to say, okay, I messed up, I gotta fix it. And, and allow this other person to grow to be a, um, to know that they're valued because then you just develop a whole bunch of people around you who have self-worth and then the job does not become as hard. That's what it is. You know, if you have parents who can come into a school and say, I can do this for you. I can do that for you. You know, just before, just before, the reason I was late see, is because I was having a meeting with four parents, one, two, three, three parents. And I said, I need to find out from you how we bring more diversity into this school. I have a page of notes. Mm. And not only do I have a page of notes, these ladies said, um, you know, I can do this one. If you tell me what you need, I can take care of this. And somebody else said, I can take care of that other thing. And I can, I can reach out to my networks, get some information about such. So I think that leaders really need to be aware. Things are changing. I, I'm in service to people. This is not my space. This is their space. And I come into it. Yes. So it needs to change in this way. It needs to change. It's, it's not a bastion. It's a neighborhood. It's a, it's a community space. And I come into it. And other people stay in it. Other people live in it. So, mm. you know. I love that. And I, I love that that is your vision of leadership. Like that, that really shifts things. And that's exactly why more women need to be in leadership positions like this. I think that you're thinking of the community first and that is really powerful. It is, it is a, it's a very fulfilling job. Mm. You, know. you, I hear in you what you're saying, how you take care of other people. Like that, that approach of this is their home. I'm coming 
I have to take care of it for them. I'm serving them. How are you taking care of yourself right now? I mean, I come home, I lie on the couch, me and my cat. (laughs) (laughs) Pat the cat. Uh, (laughs) Pat the cat. Mm. Um, But I get, I guess I just get a lot of satisfaction from what I do. Sometimes I think about it too much. Mm-hmm. I wake up and there's something on my mind. Oh, this little kid, you know, I need to call the parent because something happened and, you know, I, I just can't let go of it. But once I've done that thing, I can let go of it. And I feel better because I know I've done something. My whole, what I'm most aware of in my life as a teacher and as an administrator and everything is that is the amount of power I have. I'm most aware of that. So for me, it's using that in a good way. And when I say power, I'm not talking about being in the office. I'm talking about the fact that if I know a child's name, it makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And if I can make that child happy today, I know that they remember it. It's that distinction of power over versus power to or power with. So that's power to. Power to brighten someone's day. Power to make that child feel seen. That's the kind of power. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the the memories that will always stay with me is just, I remember when I was teaching grade eight and I had a Sri Lankan kid in my class and it was graduation and I had to pronounce his name and it was a long name. And so I practiced it and I practiced it and I practiced it. And then I could say it because I had to read out every kid's name. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, that was what he thanked me about. He said, Miss, thank you for saying my name. Yeah. Like it wasn't just Diane B, but it was Diane all of what Diane is, you know, mm-hmm. not just B. Uh, it, it's my whole name. So those things make me happy. I just feel like if I'm doing something, I'm taking care. You know, if physically lying down or something else, that's, you know, I, that's my bonus, you know, yeah. or, or going for a walk or something like that. But I just, I like what I do. And when I come home and I know I've done something for the day, I feel good. <laughs> It sounds like work isn't something that drains you. Aspects of work certainly will, I imagine, but that work also fills you up too. So tapping into the things that give you energy and give you life is how you take care of yourself is what I'm hearing. 100%. I enjoy my life. Like I, I I wish I had, I like my kids around me. So when I have my kids around me, I feel a lot better, but you know, I like my life. I have a good life. I like that you, I mean, this is a perfect note to kind of close up with because this is obviously a very difficult time in education. And before we hit record, we were sort of talking about some of the silver linings, some of the good things. So what are some of the silver linings, not to downplay the negative things or the hard things right now, but what are some silver linings that you see happening in either your life or education because of the pandemic? So personally, every Saturday, <clears throat> I have a sacred time because my siblings and our children get together on Zoom. So sometimes there's about 13 of us on Zoom. Oh. And we just keep bringing more people into the group. 
So, and we're everywhere, right? So there's me here, my sister in Manitoba, my nephew in the Netherlands, my mm. sister and brother in Texas, one back home in Dominica, uh, you know, a couple in New York, somebody in Utah, somebody in Florida. And we just, um, we just keep finding new things to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it started with 20, uh, 40 minutes of chat and now it's going to like two hours. And we're just like, we do things that we would never have thought and the satisfaction and the appreciation that comes from it it just it's like we look forward to it we have to meet at 11 o'clock if i tell you that at 10 59 my sister in manitoba is saying hey are you there you know (laughs) time to get on and then uh today she was sharing bread recipes with my nephew in netherlands how to make whatever i don't know crusty french bread or something like that and it's just become this warm ball of love Mm. we don't always agree with everything we're very opinionated kind of people you know we talk about politics and we talk about you know nostalgic things and we you know talk uh, just about a whole bunch of stuff and and um i'm very thankful that somehow none of us is without a job in this pandemic wow one nisa siblings i have two siblings who are retired but aside from them everybody else is able to work from home and i cannot tell you how how thankful i am for that i just like look at us we're everywhere and we have so much and you didn't do those group calls pre-pandemic that's something that happened because of it that's great yeah and we just started little little by little and then more people just came you know more people just came and uh, we just um you know it's like a it's like an open time, you know, if you have time, you stay for the whole time or you don't come this Saturday, but people always connect back in, you know, so that's good. And then, I mean, professionally, it's just, um, I think it's a feeling of achievement that, that you know, we're still getting things done. Yeah. Um, and that's good. Like today, I got a couple, I got some books for the, you know, that we're going to start bringing in some more culturally relevant uh, resources into the school and you know just uh, just keep going despite despite whatever we may not move at the pace we want to but you know, things will happen mm-hmm. things will happen so I like it all right so we're going to close off with a ticket out the door which is just a bunch of fun rapid fire questions that you cannot prepare for are you ready for the ticket out the door sure okay let's do it what is your favorite book to read to young people? Oh, my favorite book is I Love You Forever. Oh, amazing. Robert Munch. Yeah. Love it. Best gift you ever received as a teacher or an educator? Best one I ever got was a calendar from my grade eight class. They had put their money together and they took a picture and they made it into a calendar for me. What is your favorite school safe snack? Melba toast. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. When the original school lockdown happened and you had like all the snacks from your, I think like before aftercare program and I got so much Melba toast and I loved it. It was so good. I love Melba toast. I think of you. Nothing on it. That's so fun. Uh, What's the first thing you do when you wake up? First thing I do when I wake up is I say, God, thank you for my breath. Mm. That's the first thing. And the next thing is I call Pat. <laughs> that is the best answer that I think anyone has ever given for the first thing. Most people are just like, I check my phone. I go to the bathroom. <laughs> that is much better. I love that. 
What is the last thing you do before you go to bed? Before I go to bed, I read. I try to read a psalm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have sometimes whiskey and soda. <laughs> but yeah, that's it really. I, I read a psalm and, you know. That's a perfect combination of things too. What is the most recent TV show you binged and loved? It's always Law and Order SVU. My girl, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yep, can't go wrong with that. Although it's funny, like you, there's some like very dated shows in there now too. You rewatch yeah. them and you're like, oh, that did not stand the test of time. Pie or cake? Oh, cake, cake. Beach or mountains? Oh my gosh. Mountains. Spring or fall? Spring. What would be your last meal on earth? I think I would really like a fruit cake, which is really rum cake mm -hmm. and ginger beer. Who is your favorite edu celebrity? I think my superintendent. She's an amazing mm -hmm. woman. Um, yeah. She may be not a celebrity now, but she'll be a celebrity soon. What's her name? Let's find her out. Let's her name is, is Debbie Donsky, D-O-N-S-K-Y. She is amazing. I love it. I'm going to follow her and become yeah, a big fan. A, yeah. Last question I'm going to ask you today. What do you think is the future of learning? Uh, I hope it's not disconnected. I hope it's, I hope that it is meaningful and authentic and in service that's what I hope it is. And I hope there's enough people to make it, make that, you know, a reality. Thank you so much for chatting and sharing your journey and your vision. I really am grateful that you're in this field with me and that I get to know you. You're a delight and a wonderful person. My pleasure. It was nice chatting with you too. I think it's so fascinating that after talking to both Diane and Dr. Angela Terpstra from episode 37, that both of these school leaders said that taking care of other people is how they take care of themselves. I love this. In a time when we're all thinking more about self-care, it really challenges me to remember that we perhaps don't have to be so selfish about how we care for ourselves. Taking care of others could be the way that we fill up our bucket not like a martyr and not like our own needs don't matter. That's not what I'm talking about. My friend Jen Barros calls it mutual care. There's a great article in the show notes about this by Angie Jamie called True Self Care Is Not About You. It's a powerful reframe. And now I'm curious if this is a trend with other school leaders. If you have been enjoying and benefiting from the show, all I need from you is a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Consider it your good karma activity for the day. My goal for 2021 is to get to 100 ratings and reviews. I'm only about a quarter of the way there, so your donation of the two minutes it takes to fill out the form goes a long way. The link to how to do the rating is in the show notes if you're not familiar with the Apple Podcast platform. And while you're there, leave a rating and review for the other podcasts you're listening to these days. It might not seem like it matters, but I can tell you it does. We are educators. We know that even the smallest acts of kindness and connection matter. I read every rating and review. For example, one just came in about wanting the show on Google Podcasts. 
thank you to who sent this in. The feed is up on this platform now, so you don't have to only listen on your iPad, as you mentioned. You can also listen when you're walking the dogs too. That's all the time we have for today, folks. Keep being the thing you want to be. And remember, we are teaching tomorrow.